Haiku for the day. Things are looking good. Maybe too good for Biden. The press will help him. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbass Talking Politics. Hey, hey, I hope everyone had a great holiday, a great uh, Labor Day. I've got a lot to cover, so I'm not going to waste too much time now. Um, uh, Trump might be right again. So a while back, Trump announced, I think this was back in May, Trump announced that the recovery in the United States would, after the pandemic had died down, would be a V-shaped recovery. Now, what that means is we would have a sharp decline followed by a rapid incline in the economy after the pandemic ends. In May, we were between 16 and 20 percent unemployment. There was no consumer confidence. Businesses were closing. The stock market had fallen almost 11,000 points. There's our drop. Now, I, I said, I don't know about a V-shape. I thought maybe it'd be kind of a U. Uh, we'd start rising slowly. But four months later, Trump and a lot of economic forecasters believe the V-shape recovery is indeed where we are heading and we've already started going up. Home, home sales and consumer confidence has gone up. The stock market is about a thousand points from the record levels uh, with excitement of the uh, development of new COVID vaccines. There is a bit of a correction happening in the stock market right now, um, but it's not heavy. It's actually more pharma is going up because of the COVID vaccines. Uh, Tech is actually dropping a little bit, bit. Finally, the unemployment rate has dropped for four straight months. Um, the job report for August came out last week and there were 1.4 million new jobs created. This drop, this dropped the unemployment rate from 10.2% to 8.4%. And all of it was good news. According to the labor statistics, because I do want to read this, this is something that the Biden group is now beginning to argue with. Uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics said, quote, among the Major groups, the unemployment rates declined in August for adult men, declined 8%, adult women, 8.4%, teenagers, 16.1%, so teenagers are going out there and working, whites, 7.3%, and blacks, 13%, and finally Hispanics, 10.5%. The job rate for Asians, 10.7%, changed little over the months. That's big news. That is really big news, especially when you look at the drop for blacks and Hispanics, which uh, they tend to be kind of in the the lower range as far as work. They tend to be um, uh, taking the lesser paying jobs. That dropping is, is absolutely huge. This is really bad news for Joe Biden. People already are not thrilled with his economic policies. In a poll released last week, 52% of the people trusted Trump with the economy, while only 40% trusted Sleepy Creepy Joe. Unfortunately for Trump, people just don't like Trump. Trump is down by like 9% in every other statistic, like handling of COVID and things like that. If Trump could just stop tweeting, all everything would be up. But I think Biden is in trouble. Right now, his only selling point is the economy sucks and it's because Trump jacked up the COVID pandemic, whatever that means. This is a complete bullshit reasoning and most people do know it. 
The economy was awesome before the pandemic. We had 4.5% unemployment. Consumer confidence was at record highs. The stock market was at record levels. And we've been averaging over 3% GDP for all quarters except one outside of the pan quarter with the pandemic, which dropped our GDP about 10%. As far as the pandemic, no one buys that this was Trump's fault. It came from China, which, with the World Health Organization, ended up lying about its transmission, how it was transmitted. I mean, people didn't think it was person to person for two or three months. Trump closed travel between China and the United States before it was fashionable. Remember, Biden called Trump a xenophobe when he implemented the travel ban. We also handled the pandemic as well or better than most countries. We had several therapeutics. We have several therapeutics in test and have about 20 different companies coming up with a vaccine. And that's literally 20 different companies. We also lead the world in testing and are open about our statistics. We're not lying like China is lying. Don't tell me China's only got 4,000 deaths because of this. That's insane. We also have created a huge federal reserve of ventilators and respirators and PPEs. We are actually selling ventilators and respirators to other countries who don't have enough. So statistically, as far as deaths go, we're between 12 and 14th in the world. Don't forget, we have 350 million. And other countries like China, Iran, Russia, they're pretty much lying about their statistics. So we're probably a lot higher than that. We're probably down maybe 15, maybe even 16. But, but honestly, the COVID-19 pandemic is what's known as a black swan event. It's out of anyone's control. It's brand new, it's brand new trails that we're actually blazing here. Blaming Trump for this pandemic is like blaming him for Hurricane Laura destroying uh, parts of Louisiana and Texas. I know the media does blame him, but the people don't buy that. That's just stuff that happens and you deal with it as it comes. And it, it was a, it was a tough, it's a tough deal. If Trump can control his mouth and uh, mouth and tweeting and drop the unemployment another two points to below 6%, he will win the next election hands down. So September is going to be a very important month to see if we actually get this, actually get our economy back. And it's going to be really hard for Biden because the reality is the Biden, the, the Obama Biden never got the, uh, never really got the unemployment down below 6% at all. So if Trump can hang his hat on, hey, you know what? Yes, we had this pandemic. The unemployment, in this case, the higher would be the best, it got up to 20%. But we had such good policies for the last four years, the economy could handle it. And now we're back below 6%. When the Biden, uh, Obama, Biden administration never had it down below 6.5%. I think they did actually have it down uh, to six under a little under six percent, then you can't blame him. He handled the he handled it the best he could. And by the way, just a little FYI, I don't want to hear about the hundred and eighty nine thousand dead. It's a tragedy. It is a tragedy. 
But Fauci said back in March we could have up to 2 million dead this year, and we were nowhere near that. As far as I'm concerned, we handled that pretty well. Now, it may seem like I'm kind of rushing this, and I was, because I just, I heard the press conference with Biden on Friday, and I just, I was so disgusted with it, I wanted to talk about it. Um, Sleepy Creepy Joe, well... It was more of a love fest than a press conference. The only thing they talked about was Orange Mad, Very Bad. That's it. Nothing else. We're going to listen to a couple of uh, clips from Biden's speech because then you get kind of an idea of what he was talking about. He spent only about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes talking and then he let the press ask him, quote, questions, end quote. But I just want to show you a couple of things. Uh, here's the Here's the first clip and the revelations about President Trump's disregard for our military and our veterans. I, quite frankly, if what is written in the Atlantic is true, it's disgusting. And it affirms what most of us believe to be true, that Donald Trump is not fit to be the job of President to be the Commander-in-Chief. President reportedly said, and I emphasize reportedly said, that those who sign up to serve, instead of doing something more lucrative, are suckers. Let me be real clear. When my son was an assistant U.S. attorney and he volunteered to go to Kosovo while the war was going on as a civilian, he wasn't a sucker. When my son volunteered and joined the United States military as the attorney general, he went to Iraq for a year, won the Bronze Star and other commendations. He wasn't a sucker. And the service men and women he served with, particularly those who did not come home, were not losers. If these statements are true, the President should humbly apologize to every Gold Star mother and father and every Blue Star family that he's denigrated and insulted. Who the heck does he think he is? Is it true? Well, okay, this was about the uh, Atlantic story. I'm sure you've heard that was released uh, this weekend that basically said that Trump had called um, soldiers who were died in combat losers and not heroes and things like this. Now, I do want to point something out. Biden said five or six times this entire this entire uh, day, if the story is true, if it is true. We already know the story's not true. Trump said the story was not true. Everyone who was with Trump said it wasn't true. John Bolton, who was fired by Trump and wrote a tell-all book about Trump and is not a fan of the president, said in a CNN interview that Trump never said anything like that. And people, why are people listening to The Atlantic in the first place? The magazine hasn't been relevant in over a decade. And supposedly, this happened over two years ago. Why is it being brought up now? Could it have something to do that this is a presidential election? Yes. Remember I told you, this is what's going to happen. People are going to start talking. We're going to make mountains out of molehills. And that's exactly what this is. Here's, uh, here's him talking about the great economic news we received last week, something that was not probably great news for him, 
Listen up. And I'm grateful for everyone who found work again and found a glimmer of hope that brings them back from the edge. But there is real cause for concern as well. The pace of the job gains in August was slower than July, significantly slower than in May and June. More and more temporary layoffs are turning into permanent layoffs. 28 million people have filed for unemployment. And after six months in the pandemic, we're less than halfway back to where we were, with 11.5 million, 11 million Americans not getting their jobs back. We're still down 720,000 manufacturing jobs. In fact, Donald Trump may be the only president in modern history to leave office with fewer jobs than when he took office. Do you notice everything is negative with the Democrats? Not that you've got a job back, but a glimmer of hope. People are still out of work. Nothing can be positive. Hey, newsflash. At one point, we were at 20% unemployment four months ago. Trump's economic policies over the last four years helped to bring the economy under control even during, even after we're still locked down. We're, we're still locked down. But his economic policies was able to drop unemployment by, eight, uh, by t over 10%. We're at 8.4% now. We were at 20% at one point. Now, what he also fails to, to talk about is that Democratic cities are actually the ones that want to keep the lockdowns. Red states like Florida and Texas never really locked down too much. Texas locked down a bit. Florida never locked down. And their unemployment never really went down. But New York City, New York, they locked down. California, we're still locked down. Maybe he should have some hope and say, hey, we're getting to the end of this. By the way, unemployment was not great under the Obama-Biden administration. At one point, unemployment was over 10%. Some economists say, when including those who would not go back into the workplace because they just quit looking for a job, unemployment was over 15%. If Trump, if Trump I'm going to say this again, if Trump drops unemployment two below two more points he will have lower unemployment employment than the bottom than the obama administration ever had remember obama i think they dropped unemployment to about six percent they 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 might have snuck under six percent five point eight percent five point nine percent but they never held it they're they were always around six point five percent unemployment i also want to point out that the employment numbers in four months, we've employed more than anybody, any president before him. He's been breaking records with this pandemic, with the number of jobs created. Something like 10 million jobs were created. I'd have to look at the report to verify that, but that's those are all records. So yes, we lost 20 million, well, however many million jobs, but we are now gaining on jobs faster than we ever have under any administration. Let's listen to the next one. Failed presidency. When the crisis started, we all hoped for a few months of a shutdown would be followed by a rapid economic turnaround. No one thought they'd lose their job for good. 
or see small businesses shut down en masse. But that kind of recovery requires leadership, leadership we didn't have and still don't have. And as a result, economists are starting to call this recession a K-shaped recession, which is a fancy phrase for what's wrong with everything about Trump's presidency. The K means those at the top are seeing things go up, and those in the middle and below are seeing things go down and get worse. It's no surprise because at root of this is the fact that Trump has mismanaged the COVID crisis, and that's why it's a K-shaped pandemic. Old Joe's going to have to cite those economists because I listen to ec economists all the time and I listen to them on multiple news stations, liberal, conservative, whatever. I've never heard of a K-shaped recovery. I've never heard. Yes, there, some of the folks like Amazon is making money hand over fist. You know why? People can't leave their houses. They got to get stuff. So where do they get it? They get it from Amazon so it can be delivered. There, so you do have businesses that are doing well in this economy, and the reason they're doing well in this economy is because people need to find other ways to get what they need. So him coming up with a K-shaped a K recovery, that's not what it's showing. And I just read you the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics reporting. It's not just the rich that are they're getting employed again. And as far as, as saying, well, people are going to lose their jobs. Well, yeah, but you guys keep shutting down the economy. You don't want to open up the economy. One other thing he also mentioned was that, you know, our kids need to go back to schools. Uh, yeah, they do. But it's not because the parents don't want to send their kids to schools. It's because in these blue states, blue cities, look at New York City, look at California, Los Angeles. They are actually threatening, the uh, teachers unions are threatening to go on strike in order to avoid going back to school. So these, these folks want to basically get paid to stay at home and do whatever Mickey Mouse teaching there is. Um, and finally, here is something that was really telling about this, quote, press conference, end quote, that happened right before he decided to get to questions. Asking the question is we hear so many parents call and ask us, educators as well, who feel like they're in an impossible situation. What are they supposed to do with our children when the president has made it so hard for schools to reopen safely? What's the alternative when it's devastating to keep them isolated from their friends and their support systems? I also said earlier this week, to the uh, shock of many, that we lost more cops this year to COVID than on patrol. It's a reminder how an already dangerous job, law enforcement, has gotten more dangerous because of tr Trump's mismanagement. Yeah, this is a foreshadow to the listener that this entire press conference was going to be scripted and controlled by Biden's aides, not by Biden. Biden not only had the questions with him, he had the answers with him. He actually had the answers to the press conference, and he was reading them off a card. If you go to Dumbass to Talk in Politics, I've got the whole 44-minute press conference, and you can actually look at the video. 
but you could see at a couple of times he actually had the the questions in the wrong order and he had to shuffle his answers it was terrible he even pulled one card out of his wallet to make sure that was out of his pocket this because he didn't know if this was the right one have you ever seen president trump do that have you ever seen him walk into a press conference with notes and then turn the notes when they asked him a question? Have you ever seen a reporter sit back and ask him a question that was actually pro-Trump? Well, we're going to get into that. We're going to see this. But it just amazes me. Now, let's go over the questions of the press conference because this is going to be the fun part. And then I've got some questions I would have probably liked to have asked if I was doing the press conference. So let's go over some of these questions. There are about six of them. Thank you, sir. Uh, this morning, in reference to that article in The Atlantic, in a call convened by your campaign, Kazir Khan said that uh, the comments demonstrated that President Trump's life is a testament to selfish, selfless, selfishness and that his soul is that of a coward. You've talked about this as a different view of how you see the job of president. But when you hear these remarks, suckers, losers, recoiling from amputees, what does it tell you about President Trump's soul and the life he leads? President Trump's soul? Are you kidding me? How about these for some questions? President Trump and his staff at the time, including John Bolton, said that those comments were never happened. Why do you think it took over two years for this information to come out? And do you think President Trump might be on some, onto something when he calls the news media fake news? How about this? You have also talked about your love of the military, but didn't the Obama-Biden administration actually cut funding to the military by 25% while the President Trump actually raised military funding by 25%? Biden's, I, this is going to be the only time I actually put in a clip of Biden's answer because it's kind of telling. Listen to this one. If it's true, and based on other things he said, I believe the article is true, I'd ask you all the rhetorical question. How do you feel? How would you feel if you had a kid in Afghanistan right now? How would you feel if you lost a son, daughter, husband, wife. How would you feel, for real? I know that's not your job to express that feeling, but you know. You know in your heart, you know in your gut. It's deplorable. It's deplorable. Again, Biden says when he's referring to this Atlantic story, if the story is true, how about innocent until proven guilty? His use the other thing bothers me is his use of feelings. How do you feel about it? I know how I feel. I'm angry. You know, here's what I don't like about a president. Reason. Policy requires reason. When you're creating American policy, it's not always going to... A policy is going to be something that's going to benefit a majority. But there is going to be that minority that is not going to be benefited from a policy. You've got to be able to use reason to weigh that. Today, we're stuck on feelings. Feelings don't mean dick, as far as I'm concerned. Empathy is not the way to create 
policy because that's how policies never get created. We're trying to be empathetic. It's stupid. I also find it curious why Biden has decided to use the term deplorables. This was something I was shocked. And he didn't do it just once. He did it in his speech. He did it four times. Is this something you want to get associated with? The failed campaign of Hillary Clinton? And really a big reason why she failed was showing disgust for Trump supporters by calling them a basket of deplorables. Very odd. I think that is actual political malpractice on the bite on whoever wrote these answers. I think that's political malpractice and that's going to come back to haunt them. I am almost sure of it. Next question. Seth, on a somewhat related topic, uh, what would you say to the supporters of the QAnon, the people who believe in that conspiracy? what they think is true about America, uh, that there's sex trafficking and a conspiracy against the, uh, President Trump. And what would you say to President Trump for not rejecting that conspiracy and the people who believe in it? Okay, for those who don't know, QAnon is a, a conservative religious organization. I, I, it's a conspiracy theorist group. They're very conservative. They're not right-wing radicals or anything weird like that, but they believe that the government has a bunch of corruption, and I think there are UFOs. I, I'd have to look it up. I, but when QAnon said that President Trump, this is what they said, President Trump was actually going out to clean the government up, which is what QAnon believes, um, Trump said, okay, great. He was asked about it at a press conference. He said, I don't know anything about him, but, you know, I heard they liked me and that was it. And that's Trump. If you like Trump, he's going to like you back. And sometimes it matters what that group is. Sometimes it doesn't. But anyway, it's not like QAnon is a white supremacist group. They're not. They're just a conservative a group of con uh, fundamental religious people that have some kind of bizarre ideas. This is not even a story. It last, that story lasted 15 minutes. But here are some questions I would like to ask about Biden and his association with certain groups. Here are some questions. Why have we not condemned Antifa? And there continues to be violence, through, even though they are a cause of a lot of violence throughout the country, such as in Portland, Seattle. Here's another one. Why do you think, what do you think of the philosophy of Black Lives Matter, which includes the defunding of the police, the setting up of a Marxist government within the United States, and the eliminating of the nuclear family, as per their website? Do you condemn to that? Do you condemn that? Why have you not named any of these groups in the DNC? So, yeah, I've got some, I've got some good questions here, too. Do you think uh, President Trump would have gotten those questions about not disavowing radical groups? Oh God, yes, he's gotten he's gotten questions about that, even though he did disavow uh, white socialists and uh, white nationalists and the KKK. Here's the next question. Thank you, Mr. Vice President. Uh, last night, President Trump mocked you for wearing a mask and said that this is a sign that you must have some, quote, big issues. He says this even though he knows that, according to scientists and public health officials, wearing masks saves lives. 
I wonder if you worry that this kind of language that comes from the President of the United States could deter some Americans who are tuning into him to not wear masks. I am so tired of hearing how he botched COVID-19. I mean, it, it, it's just, it's so old and no one believes it, that. So here's the question I would have asked Joe Biden. I don't even have a lot of questions about him is, you said that President Trump had done a bad job during the COVID-19 pandemic. Exactly what would you have done differently? That's what I would have asked. Because I'm tired of hearing him say how bad Trump did, but he has no solutions. And the solutions he does have on his website... Trump did long before he added that information to his website. Here's the next question. This is, yeah, you knew this was going to be coming. Um, could I just ask quickly about Attorney General William Barr saying on CNN this week, uh, he said that his assessment right now uh, is that China poses the most aggressive threat to U.S. elections, even more than Iran or Russia. Uh, do you believe him? Is that also your understanding based on the intelligence briefings that you have received? Russia, Russia, Russia. I swear to God, these guys just never give up. So here are some questions I would have asked. Vice President Biden, explain your son's, Hunter's, involvement in Burisma Energy Company that brought his law firm several hundred million dollars. And were you involved in him being on the board of directors of Burisma, even though he had no knowledge of energy or Ukrainian politics, or Ukrainian, didn't even speak the language. Second question I would ask, has Hunter ever been on Air Force Two while you traveled to China? Did you have an influence, any influence on Hunter's business dealings in China where he brought back millions of dollars of business? The answer is yes, he did fly on Air Force Two. I just wanted to like to see if he was lying. Another question, you say that intelligence sources say that Russia is the biggest threat. Who are those sources? And finally, the big question, China has the second largest economy in the world and now has the largest navy in the world. Russia has the economy the size of Texas. How is it that Russia is really the largest threat? I The whole Russia thing is just getting so bloody old. And there is kind of a Another question I would have there, because I don't think, uh, oh no, I've got that, I think I've got that question later on. So let's just get to the next, uh, let's just get to the next clip. Sir, uh, it's, it's been a couple of weeks now since you announced Senator Harris as your running mate, and we haven't seen her out very much, including yesterday in Kenosha. Why is that, and, and what role do you see her playing in the, in the final? She's months? been on the road. She's out herself. The, the role is that, just like when Barack and I campaigned, we tried to cover as much territory as we could, and both of us out campaigning. She is an incredibly competent candidate. She is doing a great job. There will be times when we're together, but there's a lot of territory to cover. I talk with her almost every day. I speak with her. We work together, and I have great confidence in her. There's nothing about not campaigning together. It's about being able to cover more territory. And just as a second question, um, do you know when you will have another uh, COVID test? Do you have any, any plan, any future testing coming up? Well, what oh, I have a deep place in my heart for Senator Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, or whatever the hell she wants to be called. Here's what I would have. Do you think her relate? Do you think Senator Harris's relationship with San Francisco Mayor Willie Brown may become an issue during the campaign?
and do you think it's appropriate? Do you think that her record as California Attorney General, which includes mass incarceration, hiding of evidence, and extending prison sentences, might be an issue on the campaign trail? During the primaries, Harris, during the primaries, when she was running, Harris insinuated you were a racist and said on mic she believed that you might have sexually harassed women and girls. What influence did this have on your decision to ask her to be your running mate? Why are they not asking these questions? These are serious questions. These are good questions. Okay, here's the next one. Thank you, sir. Um, let me ask you about another thing the president said last night. He once again suggested to his supporters that they should consider voting twice if they're in one of those states that can allow you to request an absentee ballot. So fill that out and then go try voting again in person. State officials have said it's a felony in some cases. Just curious what you make of it. This bullshit question is just pure and utter gaslighting. Trying to take words out of context and shit like that. That's what it is. Trump did not say to go out and vote twice. He was pointing out that there would be a real spread of corruption with mail-in balloting. But here's my question. We have been voting the same way for over 200 years. Why suddenly change the way we vote? Now, I know what he's going to say. Well, COVID. Well, I know, but if you're worried about COVID, then you wear a mail, you order an absentee ballot. You don't just say whole states should do mail-in ballot balloting. People like me should be going, people like me, people like 18-year-olds, wearing masks and socially distancing should be going to the polls to actually vote. If I'm worried about catching COVID and dying, possibly dying, or my 85-year-old grandmother, God rest her soul, she's not around, is worried about it, she can order an absentee ballot. It's a, it's a bullshit question. So even if he said, well, it's because of COVID, I'd say, well, no. I mean, COVID seems to be shrinking away and we're taking this all to extremes and it's never been tested. And in the places where it has been tested, like California and ballot harvesting and all that other crap, it's proven to be pretty, pretty sketchy. And there has been corruption, but we don't talk about that. Okay, next question. If I could follow up on Ed's question about voting. We know the president has been attacking mail-in voting. He's even now suggesting his supporters vote twice. We also know that Russia has been trying to sow doubt about this system. Are you concerned at all that this messaging may be working, that your supporters may give up on voting by mail because they're concerned that it may be rigged? This is just a twisted question for three reasons. First off, you notice Trump attacks. It's the same thing. They talk uh, Republicans pounce, things like this. Trump is not attacking mail-in vo voting. He's saying this is a bad idea. If saying something is a bad idea because it's corruption, that's not attacking. And again, Russia, Russia, Russia. Always got to bring up Russia. Got a great question about Russia in a second. And finally, the last part of that question where she says, are you afraid that your, your supporters may not use mail-in voting and may think that this is not going to work because of Trump attacking, by the way, that they won't mail-in vote. How Trump is going to have anything to do with attacking voters who are mailing in, I don't know. This is a dog whistle. The reporter is actually saying, folks, you got to vote. That's a dog whistle for that. Uh, now, how about this question? 
Um, it, it, we're going back into the Russia thing. I said I wanted to, to bring this up earlier. Um, what do you say about reports that Russia is going to try and influence the election towards Trump? But those same reports say that Iran and China are also trying to sway the election towards you, Joe Biden. Because all you hear about is on CNN is Russia. All you hear about on MSNBC is how Russia's trying to sway the election. Yeah, well, China is too, and so's Iran. You think China wants Trump? Trump, who is single-handedly killing their economy because all of the malfeasance they've been doing for the last 10, last de- couple of decades? Do you think they want tariffs? Do you think they want manufacturing being pulled out of China because Trump says you guys can't manufacture that stuff anymore? And do you think China, do you think China or uh, Iran doesn't want Biden in? Biden, the Obama-Biden administration who gave them $150 billion in cash on pallets, signed them up to that pissant nuclear Iran nuclear deal. Now Iran's economy is being choked off because of all of the sanctions that Trump has put the Trump administration has put on top of them. And here's my question for you. You've heard all the I, I'm I'm done with the state the questions, but do you have any doubt why people don't trust the media? Would these same reporters treat Trump the same way? Would they give him the questions to allow Trump to start writing down the questions? And finally, does Biden at all seem like his answers were clear, articulate, that he sounded like he was even awake? And if you see the video, it's worse. You watch, you watch, he just has no energy in him. He looks like an old man. He definitely sounds like he's losing his mental faculties. And that's not because, you know, I'm an ageist or anything. It's just he's old. I I thank God Trump would only have another four years because I wouldn't want to see him president after four years because he sounds like he could be losing his mind a little bit. That's just what happens when you get over 70, close to 80 years old. Joe Biden will be 82 years old if he wins this election by the time he's finished his first run. He's on a teleprompter all the time, and he still screws it up. He is clumsy. He looks old. He looks tired. And you better believe these uh, these debates coming up, Trump is going to absolutely destroy him. And Trump, and the first... The first debate is going to be with Mike Wallace, a reporter from uh, frickin' Fox News. So you know Biden is not going to get any love from Mike Wallace. He's just going to hit him with questions. And Mike Wallace is an outstanding interviewer. So uh, I guess I did okay. I thought it was going to be a little longer. I tried to kind of get through it. So you can follow me on Twitter at RunninFool, R-U-N-N-I-N-F-E-W-L. You can download or listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, and YouTube. You can visit my website at www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com where I have all my show notes. You can read the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, report. It's on the website. You can also go and watch the full interview 
of uh, the, the full press conference with uh, Joe Biden. Hope you guys have a great week. Talk to you later. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.